Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today myself and Simon discussed that incredible match between Tottenham and Chelsea last night. Did Tottenham come out with their reputation enhanced despite losing? Is Ange Ball refreshing or naive? And has Postecoglou embarrassed Arteta with his contrasting response to officialdom? This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. What did we witness last night? I, mm. I don't know about you. Um, I had no idea a match like that was about to unfold. Mm. Five goals, five disallowed goals, two red cards. Uh, Chelsea end Tottenham's unbeaten start, a 4-1 win in the end. You ever seen a crazier game? No, I've never seen a probably greater acts of self-harm uh, as Tottenham visited upon themselves yeah. from having complete control of the game to, for whatever reason, seeming to seed it back to to Chelsea, give them their head, and then proceed to lose their minds. And I do think that some of the things that Ange Postacoglu said after the game were admirable. I'm not entirely sure. What he's doing is very clever. He is, like I've said previously, he is the light to everyone else's dark, specifically in the age of Conte, where ultimately Spurs would have banked up with 11 players, let alone nine. Um, and he won't do that, and he won't make that position because he knows it It. it it curries a certain particular reaction from the Tottenham fan base. Is there an argument to say that banking up, and because Chelsea were poor, I don't care if Chelsea winning 4-1 yesterday, they were poor side right now. Mm. And I know that flies in the face of me saying they're going to win the league in three years' time with whoever is in, in, in situ. But the point is, is that would it have been more commendable for Tottenham Hotspur to come out of that game with nine men banking up at the back not allowing Chelsea to create anything because it didn't create that much anyway Yeah, um, and come out of a point or was there more nobility in saying no no I sod that I'm going to play the way I want to and I know he made his observations about if he went down to five mate would have a crack yeah I love that um, I, 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 love I, that. I, I do and I don't I think it's playing to a certain gallery but most of what comes out of Ange Postacoglu's mouth 
I'm an admirer of. But if, if you get, if I get what two galleries, you're playing to. Well, I think he's playing to the gallery of everybody seeing Arteta's rent rant. So he mm. says the opposite. And I think there's some some of what he says that he actually believes, but I also think he's playing a particular role, which is I am a person that's sensible and pragmatic. And with the Tottenham fans, he's saying you've had two or three years yeah. of a brand of football that nobody wants in this ground. I'm going to give you something different. But then so did Ozzy Ardiles once, mm. and they got beat five fours and six see, threes and whatever else. I don't look for anything other than Ange believes what he says. This is how. I play. This is how I want the game to be played by my team, which was one Celtic and is now Tottenham. This is how I want my boys to play. And it's as simple as that. And it's a principle that he, you know, at this moment in time, is able to stick to because yeah. he's come off the back of eleven games or however many it was before, ten games before this, unbeaten. Yeah, they've gotten beaten yesterday. Uh, yesterday. Now, as entirely explainable. What's not explainable is the combustibility of certain players on the pitch and the occasion which Tottenham had control of suddenly being wrestled away from them and some ridiculousness on the pitch from certain players. And of course, you've then got the, ad the added spice yeah. of Madison being injured. You've got the other centre back being injured. I, I think that I am inclined to agree with you that most of what Ange Postacoglu says he believes in, mm. but there is always, even if you're Alex Ferguson at the top of your game, there's always an element of pragmatism at times. We can all be idealists. We can all say, this is what I'm going to do. But when it comes down to it, you're in a business of winning. And no yeah, one will say to you, well, that was a noble effort. But let me remind you, you're in this very studio with me when they were all phoning in about cannot abide the way Conte has got Tottenham playing. Yeah, and, and before that, Mourinho. They didn't like Mourinho, many of them, either. So we'll get to that the other side my, of the but break. But that's my point precisely. But here's the thing, though, Simon, I, and I'm with you on this. I found Chelsea... I, uninspiring uninteresting yeah. I, I do not see anything to get excited about about Chelsea although Pochettino says differently I think we deserve to win we forced them to make too many mistakes I think that Tottenham was better in the first 15 minutes and then I think we matched the game and I think our performance was good and I start to force to make the mistake I think everything that you can see I think during the game I think was was fair. That is why 4-1, I think, is overall, I think the, the performance was good. All right, so that, that's Mauricio's view on it. But this morning, many observers and many people certainly in this building thought that even losing 4-1, the Tottenham outlook was much better than the Chelsea outlook. The Tottenham performance was much more absorbing and believable and yeah. plausible yeah. than I mean, the Chelsea one. Yes, but you've got to you've got to give it context. Uh, Chelsea are a side that's not full of confidence at this moment in time for whatever reason. You've got players out there that've been bought for eighty million quid that don't look like a track a bag of, track a bag of cement. Mm. You've got players out there that aren't performing at the level that their price tag suggests they should. Whereas Tottenham on the on the opposite side of that, they've got this Ange Postecoglou effect, which is basically he's not Conti. He's not Mourinho. He's not dark. He's not prepared to play a brand of football which is unappealing. In the end, he's going to have to play a brand of football that becomes a consistent winning football formula because the honeymoon of doing really well, which, by the way, he deserves and Tottenham fans should appreciate, is going to be superseded at some point by the necessity 
of winning things, whether winning things qualifies for the top four. Do I think Tottenham will get in the top four? Yes, I do this year because of the points tally they've got so far. And you they think should... Tottenham will be top four? Well, I do, yeah. I think if you've got 26 points, 11 games into a season, and you require 71 to get into a Champions League spot, which is atypically the, the rule of thumb, you'd have, to, you'd have to be really poor for significant parts of the season not to pick up the points yeah. that you need. Yeah. So I think they've given themselves a good opportunity. And how they bounce back from the defeat on, on yesterday will be easy because they'll look at the circumstances. They'll say that we... We lost our centre-back, we lost another centre-back, we lost our creative midfield player, we lost another player getting sent off, uh, so we had all the disadvantage against ourselves. Um, but just to be clear, the Postecoglou way, Simon, naive or refreshing? I think it's a bit both. Yeah. I mean, you I, look, If I, there's a part of me that always wants to, the best form of defence is attack. Yeah. But in football terms, that probably, in the end, is not going to pay you off. Specifically, if you're going into a situation where you've got nine players and you are uh, territorially disadvantaged by the way that you play, you're going to concede goals. There's no two ways about it. Yeah, they're not exactly. monks, Chelsea. Yeah, you're going to concede goals. So, is there a, is there a false nobility in that? Is it to some extent a cynical view for me about playing to the gallery because we're going to go on our shields? We will not stop. This is the way that we're going to play. And the Tottenham fans will lap it up until they don't, which means <laughs> when they start, when they, when they go at the end yeah. of the season, they go, well, yeah. we didn't win anything. I mean, I take it your mate Daniel will be quite happy because this is exactly why uh, why Postacoglu got the job. This is probably what he said in the job interview. This is how I'm going to go about it. But this can only happen post-Conti. Post Mourinho, the timing, and I've said it before, is perfect yeah. because the club was so dark. Everybody hated Levy. The players were all bone idle, lazy, you know, unmotivated, uncommitted, not a, not programmed for winning. Everything about the club was rubbish as far as Conti and those in the certain sections of the media would have us believe. Mm. So Ange comes in and polishes it up a little bit and polishes it up a lot because they've, they've obviously got themselves to second in the league. Yeah. But in order for him to kick on, there's going to be have to a slight... This is not the, the SPFL. This is not other leagues. This is the Premier League. Yes. And it's an unforgiving league. And what you did for me yesterday is no good for me today. And ultimately, right now, what you've got is a moment in time where Postacoglu is thriving on his successes thriving in an environment where everything has been so toxic and so bleak that he gets that extra bit of sheen. And I do admire it. And I do admire 95% of what comes out of his mouth. And I do think that he's the right person for Tottenham Hotspur in the here and now. And I do think probably if he keeps on pro progressing and gets better players to be able to get more depth in his squad and be able to change things up, that they might win something. You see, he, he, last night when he said, when Ange said at the end of it, um, listen mate if we're down to five I'll still play that way and all the little uh, anoraks of course said we well, couldn't possibly be down to five know, because right, the yeah. game wouldn't go ahead yeah. we got that that was funny let's play into the galleries uh, exactly that's, but I like what he did then when I popped it out saying I find that quite refreshing last night are you kidding naive you, you'll get battered 4-1 every time there's one comment if Manchester United say something like that in other words don't, if we're down to five if, we'll still go for it there'd be uproar on your show with Simon but, before but you come nuance. in Simon it's nuance. this was Ange and I liked what he said post-match so we are mate so even with nine men you're still going to go with that yeah? even with five men mate we'll have a crack <laughs> well that's who we are you know we'll take away from that and uh, we're still in the stages of building team here you know and building a style of play and I'm not going to chase some short-term fix uh, for what I believe is going to be important for us in the long term. Key component of that 
We're still building a team now. We're building a culture. Yeah, but he's right. not playing to the gallery there. No, 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 no. He's playing to an audience to some extent because he he's got and, and the most the most sensible part of it is that he knows in the longer game. Once he's what, he, what he's doing is changing a culture, a defeatist. Mm. We play a certain way, so he's prepared to say in the here and now, I'm not changing, mate. I don't care if we go down to five men. In a year's time, when he's been in the job for a year, and the situation changes, and ultimately he knows that the best way of dealing yeah. with a game is nine men have to change the way they play. Yeah, he will change not because he's prostituting his values, but because he will have instilled the culture, which means when he does change for an individual game. That doesn't become the default setting. Yeah. The problem is now, if he goes back to a certain style of play with Spurs, people are going to say, well, hang on a second, that's what we've seen before. So he's, I, I understand precisely what he's saying. Yes. Let's get the culture right, so and, then I. I'll get the, and then I'll get the tactics and techniques right. It's funny how the team that lost 4-1 makes the news this morning. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Luke, good morning. Um, number one, what did you make of last night? Number two, what about Angie's comments? Good morning, guys. Yeah, absolutely love the show as usual. Thanks for all you do. Um, Thanks, Luke. I was absolutely thrilled with the performance last night. I mean, you know, to be... Everyone's saying we capitulated, but we didn't. Two players capitulated, and the rest of the team stayed solid and pulled out the tactics that Ange put in place. Until the 94th minute, we were in that game. We had three chances to take it, to take it level, and maybe even go and win the game. I agree with Simon, however, that you know, doing this against City would have been unfeasible. But Chelsea were there for the taking. They were absolutely terrible. And we had the chance to go and get something from this game, even with only nine men. And I'm thrilled. Compared to what we were asking for under Conte, under Mourinho, when we faced adversity, when we were down 1-0, when a man got sent off, this is what we wanted from a new manager and this is what we've got. I was absolutely thrilled with it last night. Wow. So, look, you go definitely refreshing, not naive. No, no. I mean, it, you know, it almost worked. We had a disallowed goal, disallowed by margins. Benton Kerr, who would have been fitter if he'd had a bit more match time, would have put it away. Son with a better strike would have put us equal. We could have won that game. It was there for the taking. I yeah. have no problems. And I, I, I'd rather win, I'd rather lose 8 9 10 1, Jim, playing like that than 2 1 sitting behind the ball with nine men. Wow, Luke, what a call. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Michael's a big Chelsea fan. How do you come out of this, Michael? Good morning. Morning, chaps. How are we? Good, thank you, mate. What do you want to tell thank us? You. Love the show. Um, Thanks, mate. No, I, going back to the previous caller, I, I do agree with what he said. I think Tottenham played in the first 15 minutes. They're absolutely you know, superb. They put us to the sword and they cut through us. Um, and then I think the, was it in Dog, he had a lapse of judgment and then we kind of picked it up from there. But I think the first half was a bit of a mess with all the disallowed goals and the offsides and the red cards uh, and everything like that. But I think... I think we could have done a bit better. There was a lack of judgment with the passing. I think we were sloppy. We were trying to rush it. Um, Tottenham were playing a high line. It was the same ball over the top that caught us offside about 15 times. Mm. Um, Jackson, you, know, you have 100 shots. You're about to score one at the end of the day. You know, he got his hat-trick. Quite a poor hat-trick, in my opinion. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we got the win. I, I, I don't think we thoroughly deserved that compared to how they played. But a win's a win. Win's a win. Uh, Lord Simon Jordan's agreeing with everything you're saying, Michael. You're nodding away to what Michael is oh, saying, yeah. Simon. Uh, you do, but you also have to give Chelsea credit um, because after about 20 minutes, Spurs had battered them and all of a sudden Chelsea got ahead of steam up. 
and they came back into the game. Now Spurs self-imploded and got players sent off and obviously then they lost players through injury which compounded the situation. But I think it's difficult to disagree with the bulk of what Michael said. I mean, Jackson, you saw the true Jackson where he scored two goals, the boy uh, Mudrick goes down the flank, pulls it back in it's a, and he whacks it 10 feet over the bar. Yeah. That's the true Jackson. Yeah. The other ones are tappings. Yeah. Michael, thanks for the call. Josh, a big Tottenham fan. Um, Josh, you'd maybe hear Luke, um, a, a fellow Tottenham fan, saying earlier, we'd rather Ange goes about it that way than the way he used to play. Do, do you concur with that view? Absolutely, mate. It's, um, you know, look, a couple of seasons ago, Champions League, 1-0 down, we bring on a centre-back and defend a 1-0 loss until the end. Last night, completely different. Um, you know, he's um, he's gone for it. And, yeah. and I yeah. said halfway through the game, got, he's going for it. A couple of years ago, we would have been sitting there watching Chelsea attack, attack, attack. It would have been like a training ground exercise for him. Yeah. Whereas last night, as Luke said as well previously, mm. the, the three chances that we had were a sniff away from absolutely putting it up them. The WhatsApp groups I was in last night... Sorry, guys. The WhatsApp groups I was in last night, Chelsea fans, Man City fans, Liverpool fans, Man United fans, all got the... Uh, gave Pochettino the respect he deserved. Yeah. going for it. Um, Josh, one one possible note of caution, and Simon, you, you were on this right away. I may as well credit this to you. But, Josh... Uh, many many Leeds fans will say, "Be careful what you wish for," and they had this with Bielsa. What would your take be on that? Well, I mean, it ain't going to happen every day that two players get sent off. No, true. You got to let you got to let a doggy off a little bit. He's twenty years old. He's what? How many games in? Um, and he's twenty years old. He made a couple of mistakes, but then when you're playing against Sterling. And, and uh, what's Draco Malfoy on the left? Can't remember his name. Um, you've got to go for it. And if Midrick. he didn't go for it and get that, get yeah, that's all right. Yeah. Um, and go for it and get that ball. Yeah. They would have scored anyway. He had to go for it. And okay. he's three years old. You've got to give him his due. Oh, Josh, you've gone for it, and we appreciate it. Thank you very much. Funny indeed. how the narrative changes, isn't it? Yeah. Everyone's tolerant of every mistake now. If well, it's been fun. under a different manager. It would have been like ridiculous decision making. Romero's a liability. This kid shouldn't be in there. And if he is in there, he should know how to play and all of it. But now, because the sun is shining on Tottenham Hotspur, everyone's got a lot of forbearance. <laughs> everyone's well, got a lot of forgiveness. Well, you're right. There's no, there's no name in this one, but here's a message for everybody out there. The narrative this morning is an absolute joke. If Arteta or any other top manager played that ridiculous high line, you'd all be slaughtering them. The love-in for Postacoglu is embarrassing this morning. Chelsea were useless. But the last time I looked at the scoreline, they won it, 4-1. Yeah, and they're right. I mean, Chelsea were useless. And the reasons why Spurs could keep on with this process of having a go at them is because Chelsea are so devoid of any confidence and yeah. any competence yeah. that they were there. Do they you think Romero's a liability? I think he's a good player. I think he's a really good player. But the problem is, is his character lends itself to these sort of situations. If you're getting sent off four times yeah. in your Tottenham career yeah. over 70 games, you're, you are causing a problem for the team. And I think there were a couple of times last year where he was a disgrace on the pitch because he didn't seem interested. Sure. As a player, I think yeah. he's a top, top, top central defender. David, Tottenham fan phoning in from Australia. David, hi to you. I was going to say good morning. It's not good morning where you are. What do you want to say, mate? Well, actually, I'm in London. Normally, I do call you from Australia, but I was at the game last night. Okay, so, uh, well done. So, thank you. So, to use uh, some of Simon's favourite words, nuance and context. I think you know, you look at Ange. He's come in. 
He's brought that Aussie sports culture to the club, brought people together after a season of Conte, Paratici ban and the open revolt against Levy. What I've been surprised about him, he has been his in-game management. I've been, I've been expecting the football version of Basball the whole time. He has shown pragmatism in some of the changes that he's done, bringing on Hoiberg at certain points and Perisic before he got injured. But the reality of the situation last night, Chelsea were a poor team. He continued to play the high line because he fancied the equaliser. And they had chances to do that. So I think that on the one hand, Simon is kind of noting the loving that we've got in with Ange. Ange is on a winner here because he's had the poisonous regime of Conte and Mourinho to follow. And the fact is he talks to everyone in the club, is a vuncula and brings people together, is a breath of fresh air to the fan base and playing attractive football. But the real situation now is, is that the decision not to get in another centre-back in the window when we're relying on Van de Ven and Romero to be fit until January, that could come back and bite us badly. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. This morning, we're putting the question out there, would it be a dereliction of duty from the FA if they allow Mikel Arteta to go unpunished for his weekend rant? Do you remember it? Post-match. Yeah, we have to talk about the the result because you have to talk about how the hell this goal um, stand up and it's incredible. I feel embarrassed, but I have to be the one now coming here to try to defend the club and please ask for help because it's an absolute disgrace that this goal is allowed. It's an absolute disgrace. Because it's not a goal. For many reasons, it's not a goal. For more than one reason, at least, it's not a goal. And it's too much at stake here. We put so much effort. It's so difficult to compete at this level. 
and it's an absolute disgrace. Again, I feel embarrassed. I've been more than 20 years in this country, and this is nowhere near the level to describe this as the best league in the world. I am sorry. You just need to see one image, it's a fini. And if you have any doubt, you look at the second one, and if this is a goal, okay, that's fine. Did they say now got camera angles to, to prove one way or the other? I don't care, honestly, I don't care what they say. It's the outcome, it's too late. Whatever they say, it's too late. Too late, he's made up his mind. I don't care. It's too late. Well, it was too late because they ran out of time. They lost the game by that goal to nil. Um, maybe you could argue that on the, on a similar subject with all the technology, Ange Postecoglou, and this is no loving about Postecoglou this morning from me to Ange, but Postecoglou certainly has a bit more balance when he's talking on this subject. Premier League managers should just manage their football clubs. I've never and I never will talk to a referee about the rules of the game. I was taught that you grow up and you respect the officials. You know what managers do? I'll tell you what managers do, me included. We try and find ways to bend the rules, to get around them. I think it's so hard for a referee to, to officiate these days. Their, their authority is just constantly getting diminished. I grew up afraid of referees. They'd be like policemen. But nowadays, I guess we talk back to policemen as well. So maybe it's just, like I said, I'm old school, mate. So I'm, I'm, I'm a bygone era and I just love the purity of the game. But part of this is my problem. I've got, to, I've got to embrace it and find a way to to work with it. But it goes against everything I want to try in my team. I, I, want, to, I want my team to play fast, attacking, high tempo, go out at football. If we get a red card and it's a penalty against us, so what? Let's cop it. Let's go again. But then we have to stand around for two minutes to figure out whether something was offside or not. Let lines make a decision. Remember, you used to be the benefit of the doubt. Do we all remember that? To the striker. We all lived with it. The game didn't collapse. But like I said, I'm I'm like an old man shouting at the clouds, mate. You know, I'll, I'll get, I'll, I'll cop it for that. But that's that's who I am. <laughs> and saying he's uh, old school. Mm. Well, his old school's a good school, and yeah. I'm happy to be a pupil of. Yeah, it's a manner from heaven. Most of that, to my viewpoint. Yeah. The only yeah. thing I would say is the difference I would depart from when he says, you know, when we used to get, accept it. No, 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 they didn't. Right. Nobody accepted it. The idea that ultimately the, the, that people would price it into their thinking and then they would accept it. You know, that, he might have done that. But everybody else didn't, and the reasons I'm not why sure everybody else, or didn't. the bulk of people, come on, 95. I, I would say the same statistic of VAR getting it right. I'd say 97. percent I tell you what, the world would be a better place though if we all had uh, Prosecoglu's attitude. Yeah, it's quite easy for Ange to have that observation, given he wasn't faced any controversial decisions yesterday. He wasn't coming off the back of what Arteta was coming off the back of. None of the decisions that involved his players. In fact, you could argue that some of his players could have got sent off earlier. Okay, well, what about Arteta? And the rant. There's John. Jim, why are you making such a fuss about Arteta? How can you find a man for speaking the truth? What a load of old... <laughs> and that, uh, that's not me saying that, that's John. From Islington. Who's sending that message. Um, Martin Cassidy is the Chief Exec of Ref Support UK. Martin, good morning. Of a rough idea what's coming back. What was your thought on Arteta's rant? I just thought it was embarrassing. I thought the statements from Arsenal just confound the... The embarrassments of the whole thing, what's going on? I think it was just not more than a just a moan and backing up the you know the mouthpiece of of Arsenal there, and I was I was quite angry about it, you know. And, and then we come here now to to Postecoglou, who's been an absolute absolute star coming out. Where he has, I agree with Simon. Some of it might be a little bit contrived or whatever, but I just thought it, it's a, this is a, a threshold here. I think a positive threshold. I'm always talking on the show, aren't I, about example and these behaviours are replicated and. 
let's see how much this is replicated because you know there's more good people in in the world than bad. And yeah. I just thought this is all about emotional intelligence, I, I believe. And you see the way they are on, on the sidelines. You can you, you compare the two of them. The way, you know, Arteta's jumping around like he's had too many smarties. You've got him being so calm and considered. Even when Michael Oliver booked him, it would be nice to know what he booked him for. Yeah, he, um, Mark, yeah, what I would yeah. say to you this morning is it's been picked up in some newspapers that Arteta is going to escape a ban. What, what, would, you, what would you say if that is indeed the outcome? Well, I don't know if I'm honest because it's all about setting examples, and I think I think I think something needs to be done by the FA to recognise what's going on. I'm not sure if it extends to a ban. I think not banning him would would you know have accusations of inconsistency from the FA. But I just think he, he was quite clever in what he said, and I just like to like to, like him to own up to 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 how he reacted. You know, when I, I really want to touch on a, on a point about the emotional intelligence there because Michael Oliver had his arm on. On Postacoglu there when he was yellow card, and I've never seen that before. So that's a that's a clear sign that he must have been being BAs really really well. His emotional intelligence was in place, and I think that's the subject here about sending the message out to grassroots um, football that this behaviour of one is far more welcome than the behaviour of the other. And if the FA fine him, fine never does anything, does it? You know, even these touchline bans, what effect does it really have? And I just think you know the whole story here is is what are the FA going to do long term? to address these behaviours more than than, than, a, than a, you know, a silly banner and a small fine? Well, the terminology that Martin's used is precise terminology I used yesterday in conjunction with Arteta and emotional intelligence and emotional maturity. But ironically, in this conversation, both of those managers, Potts the Coglu and Arteta, are exactly what their football club needed at that particular time. People made an accusation about a disenfranchised Arsenal fan base that was like a library at the Emirates. Now they're not. They're a charged football club driven by their manager's enthusiasm and vitality. On the other side of the argument, you've got the dour, miserable, over-exaggerating Conti, and now you've got someone like Postacoglu. The interesting thing for me, despite the fact I fundamentally disagree with the principles of Arteta's observations, I think the bigger criminals in this are Arsenal Football Club. I think their preparedness to come in behind Arteta and double down on it illustrates a fundamental lack of understanding about what's required from a football manager in certain times and also what's required of the football establishment to build up officialdom to a level where it's capable of standing on its own two feet and isn't having to fight the battle that it's having to fight the landscape right now is Howard Webb is trying to change the culture of officialdom and trying to change the attitude of disrespect that Postacoglu alluded to yesterday and this landscape is being resisted by football by the protagonists in football who think they run the game the managers and the players think they run the game and there's a correction in place and what's happening is things like VAR are being used as a blunt instrument to bash the control that officials are trying to get off the game. No one goes to the game to watch officialdom. They go to the game to watch talent, and effective officialdom allows that to happen. But right now, there's a landscape, and Arteta's outburst should have a consequence attached to it because he's gone beyond the pale. And Arsenal's weak-kneed response, which is they're part of the establishment, they've got to recognise the value of officialdom, to double down on it from Arsenal Football Club, I think is is a terrible look. Martin Cassidy, I see you nodding to everything Simon is saying. Do you think Arsenal... Have, have done the wrong thing here, made the wrong move in jumping in and backing the boss so clearly and so quickly. Yeah, I definitely think it's a it's a backward move, really. But it's a trend, isn't it? If you want to make statements, clubs are starting to do this sort of statements, and I just don't see what they're trying to achieve with it. I think if, if the managers all come together collectively, I think they could change the game better. I think if they all got together and asked about these changes and protests for VAR about not looking at things that they should look at. 
like simulation, like all these other things. And if they collectively came out and went after IFAB and said, look, we want these changes, let's help Howard Webb bring in these changes because his hands are tied by IFAB law. And I think if football wants to really make a positive change, then let's come together collectively, support the PGMOL to make a better change to the game. Actually, see, That's what they should be doing. Man, it almost seems too obvious for me to ask you. But, I mean, in charge of the referee uh, organisation that you're in charge of, when you look back in that moment, Gordon's goal... Should it have stood? Well, well I, I, I would say it's it's two things in it. A defender would say he's being pushed, and attacker would say he'd be good attack and play. And I think I think the problem is this is this is what I wanted to mention the VAR for. I think because that's so subjective that it gets forensically looked at and makes the problem appear bigger. And I think to, to me, I think it's definitely one of those where if you don't give it on on the as a the unfit referee. Then that's fine, but if, I also believe if you give it as the on-pitch referee, then it'll be a goal. So I just think that's the problem with VAR. You know, I don't think anyone's recognised the subjectivity of so many referees' decisions that then get forensically analysed. That just make the bit the problem bigger. So uh, to me, if I was a ref on the pitch, I would have would have allowed the goal. Martin, I suppose very briefly here, is there anything else the authorities can do about curbing what they view to be poor touchline behaviour? I mean. It seems to me we're there now. There is nothing more than being done that can be done. Look at last night, even Postacoglu was booked. Is an, are we now at the, we're at the limit of what they can do? Well, I, I think football thinks there's a glass ceiling here, and I don't think there is. I think Andy Ambler, who from the FA, said something on our podcast that he said about uh, points deduction have come in this year at a certain level of football. And he actually made a very interesting um, made a very interesting statement on our podcast when he said the higher echelons of football should be looking down saying is that going to come up here if behaviour does not improve and I think when they start looking at that sort of issue where we're going to deduct points for this behaviour I think they'll, they'll take ownership of their own emotional intelligence yeah yeah Martin always good to speak to you Martin Cassidy uh, he's a regular in this show and that's why we like him he's the chief exec of Ref Support UK download stand well back listen outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station talk sport so Mikel Arteta he was asked about that he's just been speaking in the build up to Arsenal's uh, European tie against Seville and he was asked about that rant following uh, the defeat at Newcastle on Saturday evening and the Anthony Gordon goal, of course, that he feels should not have stood. This was Arteta moments ago. It is my duty to stand uh, in front of you, to stand in front of the cameras and give a very clear and honest assessment of what happens on the game. And this is what I did, reflect very openly um, how I felt that the team played. And, um, and how the game was conditioned by these results with the decisions that were made. And um, it's the duty. My duty is to be defending my players, supporting my players, supporting my club, defending my people in the best possible way. And this is what I'm going to do time after time. And I do it not the way I feel, with the evidence and being as clear as possible. And I always do it. When we play really need to say that, when we have lost, to take my responsibility, the first one, me, to do it. And... Um, is the way that I am and I have to defend my club. He's got to defend his club. So he sees it purely from an Arsenal viewpoint. Yeah, and He's I, made no bones about that. Yeah, but my I, duty is to defend my players and my club. Yeah, but the, the, 
his duty. I mean, that's blinkered, isn't well, it? Well, yeah, it kind, well, it kind of is. But then again, by the same token, you know, Postal Cooklu has asked him for not asked Premier League managers to do their job and manage their football clubs, right? And that's what he's doing. But he didn't do that. That's not what he did. What he did was he gave a state of nations on how refereeing standards in this country had dropped to such a level we'd been over twenty years. I'm going to allow him dispensation for his language barriers because the, the word duty. And it seems to imply that he's doing something for everybody and that ultimately he's performing a function yeah, that's far more compelling. No, what you did was your team played poorly, they got a bad decision, you had plenty of time to overturn that result, you weren't good enough, your team weren't good enough, and you're going to centre on one instance and you're going to make it all about that. And I, and I understand it. Don't get me wrong, these guys are in a very difficult position as football managers. They get paid handsomely for being in it, but notwithstanding it... Why are they in a difficult position? Well, I don't get that. Because, because look... They're in, What's the difficult eye, they're, about in the, it? they're in the eye of a storm. You can't well, ex- do it. You can't expect ev- everybody else and a, a business that thrives on emotion. Because this, this lunacy of football makes no sense, does it? You, you grown men cheering for seventeen-year-old kids on a pitch, singing their names and whatever else. So the, the, the whole game is steeped in emotion. You can't then expect, in every instance, a manager not to embody that emotion, especially a young manager that's trying to build a football club, straining against the opposition and straining against the two hundred and fifty million quid that he's been allowed to spend to build a team that now has to win the league because most people think they bottled it last yeah, year. Right? Yeah. So all of that comes into play. And do I think it's an excuse? No, I think it's background. It gives you some explanation. It's not. An excuse so i understand it but should I, we not be hearing even i an, think it should be an, better a, an ounce of contrition no that maybe he no, went too far no because he even meant it or he didn't if, you know, and, and that's a problem but, isn't it for but, the pg no i don't like it i don't like it i don't like what he said i think he stepped over the line but what do you respect people that say what they mean and mean what they say or people that are prepared to go well i don't feel actually any contrition I, I but i'm going to say it because it's crossed the line to recognize the fact he crossed the line and we were in agreement yesterday but, that he had but you're right well that, that's our view right and we're asking for the impossible you're asking for objectivity. You're asking football managers to be circumspect. You're asking them to step outside of a bubble, which is not a bubble, it's like the size of bleeding um, centre parks in terms of the arrogance inside the industry, and sit there and go, you know, maybe, maybe I've got it slightly wrong. He believes, and I, and I admire him for it, if he believes what he said is right, then own it and stick with it. Too many people say something, and when it gets a bit hot in the kitchen, they go, no, I don't fancy that. Mm. You say something, and if you meant it, and you stand by it in a cold yeah, light of yeah, day, yeah. then you take the consequences that but come with it. But what he's saying is, I saw it, and what I saw, I stand by, but he's only standing by the Arsenal version of what he saw on Saturday night. Well, he's not going to stand by the Newcastle version, is he? But, but what, why, why not be more objective, pragmatic, and slightly apologetic, to knowing Arteta knows that he pushed it to the limit, probably no, right but across he the line. He, he does, but he must. But I'll tell you why he doesn't. Of course he does. But I'll tell you why he doesn't. Because the people that ultimately employed him told him he didn't. The people that have a greater degree of objectivity that are supposed to be, at times, not all the time, the grown-ups in the room that actually take emotion out of a situation and go, let's look at a bigger picture in the, in the great scheme of things, what we're trying to achieve. They didn't do that. What they did was they pandered to their manager and went, chapeau, mm. say some more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he That's stands by all this morning. Uh, I still put the question to you, should he and Arsenal then be punished for it? Yes. He stands, and his club, but, but and his club. Yes, I actually, I actually think that the, the, what the punishment is is incidental, right? Because a touchline ban is laughable, isn't it? A touchline's ban, they're up in a stadium on the phone telling them what to do, right? And we've seen George Jose Mourinho get smuggled in, smuggled in in a laundry basket, right? So it's ridiculous. A fine, nobody cares because Arsenal Football Club are going to pay it on his behalf yeah. and it's going to be a drop in the ocean. You know, a drop of vodka in a bath. Nobody gets drunk from that. The point is, 
is that the bottom line is is that he has said something that needs to have a far greater reaction from those in authority that condemn it if they think it's worth condemning. They're going to find a way out of this, the FA, because first mm. of all, do you seriously expect the FA to actually do anything properly? Well, he's basically saying what Mourinho said after the uh, Europa League final, that Seville won. I will never recognise that Seville won that final. Yeah. Arteta's basically saying this morning, what you get? I will never recognise that Newcastle won Mourinho doing? What did you get Mourinho, who ha- I happen to really like Joseph Mourinho, I have always admired him and I don't care what other people say about Right, but then you get Mourinho down in a car park, physically intimidating or trying to uh, verbally abuse a referee. You can't like that. No, you can't. But that's the natural extension. That's why the Martin Cassidy's of the worlds exist to point this out. Because whilst I don't want to appear appear like a referee apologist or PGMO apologist, and whilst I'm the last person to want to be bound by an establishment or governance, because I think half the time the people that enforce the rules are the are the most little livered of the lot or put the frameworks in place. But if you don't have governance and if you don't have restriction and you don't have respect, you have anarchy. Yeah. And that's what the players and managers want. They want it how they want, when they want, how they want. And they've got all the excuses built in. What a wonderful life to have. Exactly. And we can't support that. No. We can't back that. No, in we can't. Any, any time of the day or night. Arteta stands by what he said on Saturday. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast from. We'll be back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show. Britain feels broken, but how do we fix it? Westminster just doesn't seem to have the answers, but we have found some people who do. Join me, journalist Becca Hudson. And me, the former MP Ed Vasey, for How I'd Fix... From the price of a pint to the housing crisis, this is the show where we take an alternative look at the problems plaguing the nation. And hear practical solutions from those in the know. Catch new episodes of Howard Fix wherever you get your podcasts. Rebuilding Britain starts here.